Hey, this is Dustin, one of the pastors at Grace Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to listen to one of our sermons. We hope that this sermon encourages you, inspires you, and compels you towards a closer walk with Jesus and one another. If you would like to learn more about Grace Bible Church, contact us or partner with us financially. You can connect with us at www.gbc.life. Welcome to our church family. We hope that you enjoy the message. So this is... uh, Jake and Jesse Schwartfiger, um, and they are the, they oversee all the operations for all of what you just saw. Um, about 40 mission bases and about 240 missionaries that wrap the globe from the bush of Africa to the Amazon jungle. Um, Jake and Jesse are raising up leaders from around the world to enter into the mission field of taking the gospel to the most remote places uh, on the planet. Um, that's what's unique about Overland Mission is um, while they do have, a def- they do have um, a mission bases that are set up in more populated areas, like their primary emphasis is reaching unreached people um, and getting out to where uh, people who have never heard the gospel before exist and not just going and setting up a, a tent or a screen and playing a video and doing a, a revival and then leaving. They move in with those people. That's why they raise up leaders and families that are willing to move into this kind of ministry so that they can build relationships, lifelong relationships, and plant missionaries in villages with people um, to build relationships, to lead leaders, to disciple pastors, um, and to ultimately create more missionaries from indigenous leaders right there Mm -hmm. in the far corners of the earth. And it's a beautiful thing that God has done in and through them. And so we are excited as a church family for them to be one of our primary mission partners that we support um, when it comes to gospel furthering throughout the world. So please welcome to the stage with me, dear friends, and some of the world's most extraordinary foreign missionaries, Jake and Jesse Schwartzberger. It's good to be here. Thanks, guys. It's so good to be with you today. It's a perfect time for us to have them here visiting with us because as we've begun the study through the book of Acts, looking what it looked like for us to be missionaries right where God has placed us and what it looks like to have a spirit-filled life and the things that God can do through ordinary people that are just willing to say yes to him. Like these last several weeks, we've looked at the call of Jesus to be witnesses wherever God has placed us, Acts 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We see in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit came to dwell within believers Um, And then Acts chapter 3 and 4, when the gospel starts getting preached, people start getting thrown in prison. Um, But God steps in in those stories as well. And so Acts chapter 5 is going to be your homework today. Uh, I want you to spend some time in that and see the story of Ananias and Sapphira. See Peter and all the apostles now get thrown into prison. See an angel come in and perform one of the greatest prison breaks in history. And then, yeah, that's good stuff. Like even God does prison breaks from time to time. Uh, We'll hear about one here in a second. Um... But I also want you, I want to point your attention to the end of chapter 5 that's going to kind of set up our conversation with Jake and Jesse today. And and the most unsuspecting of people that God would use to get the apostles off the hook, away from the trial, and back to the streets, it was a man that didn't even believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he was a wise Hebrew Jewish man named Gamaliel, and he said this while Peter and the apostles were on trial. In verse 38 of chapter 5, he says, So in this present case, I'm going to tell you, he's standing up before the Sanhedrin. He says, I'm going to tell you, you need to keep away from these men and let them alone because, here's the kicker, if this, what they're doing, if this plan 
or this undertaking is of man, it's going to fail. But, it's a, but if it's of God, you're not going to be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, listen, they beat them all, charged them once again for the second time not to speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. And so then they left the presence of the council, the apostles did. Check this out. What they do? They went and ran home, told their mamas, you got to get us off the mission field, Jesus. This is too tough. They're beating us for this stuff out here. No, they went home rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple, so they went back to Solomon's portico, kept preaching, facing the eastern, the beautiful gate that we talked about last week. And they went from house to house. They did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Beautiful picture. You're going to read most of that for homework today. But while we're looking at what the Holy Spirit has done through ordinary people, I wanted for you to have an opportunity to see what the Holy Spirit is doing through ordinary people. And Jake and Jesse are great examples of someone and a family who was willing to say yes, even though it didn't make perfect sense and the road has been grueling and tough. As a matter of fact, we're looking at the apostles being in prison. This is not an all too unfamiliar scene for you, is it, bro? Not, not I remember much. Jake texting our elders in the middle of the night one night because he'd been thrown into a Congolese prison. <laughs> <laughs> And we're just praying like, God, you're going to have to set him free, send an angel and break this joker out like you did, Peter. You've done it before. You can do it again. Man, tell us a little bit about that, that prison story when you got tossed in there. When, <laughs> when Pastor Dustin told me that Acts 5 was, you know, where we were, we were going to be at this week, reading over it and seeing that phrase that says, you know, if God is in it, we're not going to be able to stop him. And over the last 15 years on the field, I think, you know, that's one of those things we can engrave on our tombstones at this point is, you know, another thing we always say is little is much when God is in it. And um, it doesn't matter how, um, what you see in the, in the natural, it doesn't matter how average the person looks uh, or appears to be, um, if God is in it, you know, he can do the impossible. And so, um, you know, this, this whole story in the Congo is interesting because Chief Chipepa, who many of you uh, got to meet when he came here a few years ago, um, he was the one that told me, Jake, I want you to go travel into a, a certain part of Congo and, and visit a traditional leader there and, and preach the gospel to him. I believe the Lord's primed that area. And um, I had done several trips to Congo up to that point, so I went and met up with, with kind of my right-hand guy named Gaston. Um, and we traveled into a very difficult to reach place. In fact, Gaston's family uh, wept with us the night before we left and hugged us like they were never going to see us again. And I just knew in my heart, and Gaston knew as well, that it was, it was the call of God and that we were, we were going to be all right, that, that God's will was going to be done. And ultimately, that's what it is to be a Christian, is to be all in for Jesus and say, you know, not my will, but your will be done. Um, and so we traveled, and, and it was a, quite a difficult journey, and we arrived late at night, and they put us in two mud huts that was our, our little guest house for the next few days. And um, at about midnight, uh, my door was kicked in, and people came running in, grabbed me. I heard Gaston wrestling with them in the other door, and they drug us both out, took our documents, somehow left my phone on me, which is how I called Dustin. Um, funny the things that uh, happen in Africa, but... Um, Anyways, they, they put us in their uh, uh, holding place, and 
Gaston was concerned because this, this is a volatile group of people. Uh, it was two years later that um, two, United, two, two workers from the UN were, were grabbed up and they were beheaded. Um, and it became a, 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 an international thing. Um, so we spent the night praying, praising the Lord, doing what we knew to do, calling, <laughs> hey, pray for us, we got this going on. And um, wouldn't you know, the next morning, a man, the same group of people that put us in there with such wrath and rage on them, came trembling, handing us back our passport, saying, Je suis désolé, je suis désolé, I'm sorry, je suis très, très désolé, I'm very sorry. We had no idea what was going on. They let us out. I looked to Gaston. And the next thing, uh, my phone's ringing, and it's the emperor of, of the entire, you know, uh, sub-Saharan Africa known as Emperor Montiav. Um, and little did we know, for 40 years, that emperor had been crying out to God to bring missionaries to his region. Uh, Forty years prior, he had, there was a mission base next to his palace, and uh, the, the, top, the head missionary uh, was an American, and he was killed by a rebel group. So for 40 years, that emperor mourned and cried out to God and said, please send more. And the first word he got was, uh, there's some people here that are saying they're missionaries, and we've imprisoned them. And he said, heads will roll if you don't let them out. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those, it, it was truly one of those situations where you sit back and go, if God is for us, who can be against us? We had no way to manipulate that situation, uh, but we went from a prison to standing before an emperor. And he was not the man we, went, we were supposed to meet. He was many levels above. And out of that meeting, God be, began to blow things open in radical ways, uh, which really isn't the feature of, of what we're talking about now, but we've met presidents, we've met um, entire, uh, entire, I would say, millions of people have now been open. The door's been open for us to access millions of unreached people through that emperor. And he's part of the team. He's part of the family. He's been at our home. He's, he's a great friend. And uh, it's, it's all the Lord. It's amazing to see that, but Jake and Jesse may feel so far away, like, that, that that seems so out of reach for someone like us to be able to grapple with. I want you to understand, like, this is God doing extraordinary things in the lives of ordinary people that are willing to say yes. I've known these cats since college, and they were your typical college friends. They were dating, and they were in, you know, churchy groups like uh, Campus Crusade for yep. Christ. And Jake said, yep, um, Jesse and I are going to get married, and we're going to the mission field. I'm like, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Um, and so much so that, like, God has done such an extraordinary thing through them and their ministry that, like he said, emperors and chiefs and kings and sultans and presidents have bowed before Jesus as king. Amen. And it's just, and their people are soon to follow as these doors are open for God to send laborers into the harvest to go and preach the gospel to these unreached people groups. The people are going to follow their leaders, and they're going to follow the gospel because they are seeing not only the gospel, they're, they're hearing it preached, but they're also seeing it lived out through the Overland Mission team, and it's just a powerful thing. Now, we could, as Jake said, we could tell story after story that are just staggering, like movie-worthy moments in what God has done, but, like, this isn't how it all started, is it? <laughs> when y'all were just some country bumpkins from West Virginia that were saying yes to Jesus and felt the burden on your heart for Africa, um, it didn't start out any way how you thought it was going to start no. out. Jesse, take us no. down that road. No, we, we didn't start out with a great team. We got the opportunity to go. God called us to go, and we went. You know, with the first opportunity that we took, and we walked into a situation um, where 
we had been about three weeks married and we launched onto the mission field in Zambia, not with the team that we're with now, and it wasn't a team, and things were kind of disintegrating, and they said, okay, well, welcome. Uh, there's sin in the camp uh, amongst the current missionaries that are here, and you're now in charge of a 55-person, 55-child orphanage. All the children were under six, a school, a Bible program, and a farming project. And I mean, when you're 22, you're confident and think you can take on the world, but you're not quite that confident, you know? <laughs> Praise God. And it was a wonderful opportunity to be completely and utterly crushed and humbled before the Lord because we truly had no idea how to move forward, you know, in that responsibility. And I truly, I, I tremble in this day that I would be perceived today as confident or as put together when it comes to the things of the Lord and the ministry that the Lord has provided for us because truly, truly, I cried every day the first two years that we lived mm -hmm. in Zambia. I could not reconcile the call with what my life looked like. I knew that I had been called and I did what every single one of us have done before, which is paint pictures of Egypt. I just read in the book of Exodus this morning how Moses was able to follow God's leading in setting the Israelites free from their slavery. And the first thing they did was look back and say, what are you trying to do? We would have been better off had you have left us there. And every single one of us go through that when God gives us an assignment and a call. And that's exactly what happened to me. As the responsibilities were coming upon our lives, as the opportunities to fall in love with a people and a culture, which I was doing, but the difficulties were so many. And I look back now and laugh at the things that I thought were, were horribly difficult. Things like not having power or not having water or not having a grocery store or having to drive a manual truck or things that... To me and dealing with snakes or scorpions or, you know, those things seemed extraordinarily difficult then. You know, now it feels like just day to day, like it is what it is. It's difficult when, you know, it, completely different things are difficult now, but it was difficult then and it was real and that transition was real. And the only reason that we're sitting here before you today is because of the grace and mercy of the Lord that allowed us to stand when it would have been easier to turn around. Yeah. And, and that's truly the only thing that we've done well in this whole thing. The rest of it has been the favor of God. The only thing we've done well is simply stand yeah. and bear the, bear the pain and say, I'm not afraid of pain because pain is not suffering. And even if it were, suffering leads to character, character to endurance and endurance to hope and hope will not put me to shame. And so it hasn't been an easy road it is not an easy road. To this day, you know, it's not an easy road, but praise God that things get easier when you've already faced them and conquered that thing. You know? yeah. And God's changing the world through a team that's willing to say yes. As I mentioned before, Jake and Jesse oversee 240 missionaries at 40 mission bases all over the world. And so the things that God is doing in even contexts outside of Africa yeah. are remarkable. As a church family, we have three commitments to the missionaries that we partner with. And that is substantial financial support. We're not just going to send them $100 a month and say, hey, we're behind you. We're going to get serious on a corporate level as well as on a personal level and supporting them financially. Um, but we also protect our stage for them. This is one reason why we don't have different mission groups. Every mission group that calls up, we don't give them 10 minutes. Uh, we partner with the mission organizations that God has called us to, and we protect the stage for them. And the third thing is we serve them on their turf. 
Some of you remember just a couple years ago, and Ansley and I got the rare privilege of going to spend 10 days in the, in the bush of Africa with them and their team and get to see what God is doing on a ground level, on a relational level, getting to meet some of the team members, some of the indigenous leaders that have been raised up to now go out and be missionaries. I remember yep. meeting a young man who's paddling nine miles each direction yep. in Chapepo yep. to go minister the gospel into an unreached village, make disciples, and then he paddles his boat nine miles back. Yep. Um, it's just amazing what God is doing from a small to a large level. But, um, man, we could, I, I would love to take three or four hours and just tell the big stories. Um, let, me, let me just ask this question, though. is like, to you guys, what are the big stories? What, what are the moments that, I mean, we're looking at the power of the Holy Spirit doing remarkable things yeah. through people that are willing to say yes to Jesus yeah. uh, and his call on their life. But to you guys who are seeing just incredible manifestations of God all the time, like what are the stories that, or, or the story that just sticks out the most to you that you even sat back and thought, oh, my God. Yeah. Like you are with us. Yeah, and I mean, it's amazing you guys are walking through the book of Acts because it, it's not a story, it's not stories for long ago. It's supposed to propel us into the story that's today. Um, and we have some incredible stories of signs and wonders and miracles that God's done. We actually had a, <clears throat> a short-term missionary come from the States and show up uh, at our base and noticed that she had to wear a shoe that was about three or four inches taller than the other one. Her, her one leg was, was significantly shorter. We laid hands on her and prayed, and her leg grew out. She had to take Jesse's shoes and use them for the entire trip because her shoes didn't work anymore. So, I mean, we have those stories. <clears throat> and, and I love that story because it wasn't someone in the middle of the bush. It was one of the people that traveled to minister, and God touched them like that. You know, it's like, that's the God we serve. And at the same time, my heart and my mind can't but immediately go to the people, the individuals that God has taken out of complete and utter poverty, complete and utter, uh, and utter destruction, and lifted them out, given them a new name, given them a new identity, and they've risen through the ranks to become incredible people that have shaken their own nation. To me, that's the miracle. And, and that's the gospel. I mean, Jesus went to 12 very average, very ordinary men who had, in fact, in my understanding and in my, in my research, they had flunked out of rabbinical school. They weren't the top dogs in their education. And Jesus went to them and said, basically, I'll paraphrase, follow me and I'll make you greater than you've ever been. And that, that is ultimately, you know, and, and, and there's many things packaged in that. First, follow me. I'm king, you're not. Okay. Secondly, I have a desire to make you more than you've ever been. And when we receive that call from him, it changes everything. The Bible says we become a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And we've got to watch that countless times, hundreds of times, I'd say, over the last 15 years in Africa through us and through our team, one in particular being Gaston. And I'm going to really crunch down the story, but Gaston is the young man. When I first went to Congo over a decade ago, it was my taxi driver. I, that's how I met him. I had someone refer me to use this taxi driver, called him up, he came and he drove me, and we sh started sharing stories, he shared with me, he knew, the, he knew English very well, so I said, hey, I want to go out into the bush and preach for the next seven to ten days, will you come with me? And he did. And uh, he was in a tent, I was in a tent, 
And we saw God do miracles in that week in radical ways. We saw 16 pastors, churches that were very divided in that region, and we brought them together. And, and in a week's time, God, God brought incredible unity to those 16 men to the extent that Gaston sat back and said, this is a miracle. If this is Jesus, if this is what he has the power to do, I'm all in. And, um, and I just started asking him questions. Hey, what's your heart? What's your desire? What's your dream? And he started sharing about how his whole life he wanted to be a lawyer. And so we put him through law school. And he graduated first in the class. Now, this was a man who had no ability to become a lawyer. He had no, he, he had no wealth. He was in a, a Congo, one of the most decimated places by war and by corruption. And we put him through law school, graduates first in his class. He rises through the ranks, gains this incredible reputation because he's a godly man now. And they, they put him forth as a minister of parliament. And it's like this happened within a few years. And in a few years, suddenly this man who, you know, who, was, who was driving a taxi and doing what he could with his life, through the gospel, through the gospel, it was the seed of the gospel. That's all it was. Jesus coming in and saying, I can make you more than you've ever been. And all he had to put forth was faith. All he had to put forth was, I trust you. And day by day, walk in obedience. And through that, through that process, um, Gaston was the, was the young man that was thrown in prison with me in Congo. He was the young man that met the emperor with me weeks later. And, uh, and just an incredible story. And, and sadly, Gaston was killed in a head-on accident just, just less than a year after we met the emperor. And yet, he had already started doing the same thing and investing in another young man who is now the, the, the main guy in Congo that we work with. So, just incredible. One of my favorite testimonies from this year specifically comes from our team who is in an undisclosed location in South Asia, Southeast Asia. Um, they're in a closed communist nation that would not be Christian even if they weren't closed and communist. They would be Buddhist or animistic. Um, and we have a family that's living there that has made the sacrifice to, I mean, the entire story is, is incredible, but they've made the sacrifice to move there with their children, learn a very difficult language, live amongst the people. They are currently there. There are only missionaries that we actually can't get out of the nation that they're in because if they come out, they won't be able to return and they're not willing to do that. So they're about to deliver a child at home in a closed communist nation because they refuse um, to leave the field, not from our direction, but from their own conviction. And they have seen this year a tribal leader, and many of us in, in the Western world don't understand tribal leadership, but many nations of the world are traditionally led by tribal leaders, and the government is kind of a figurehead, and the people actually leading the people are the leaders from within. And the tribal leader that they have been ministering to there in that closed nation re said to them six months ago, my wives and my children and my family have, will confess this Jesus that you're preaching because I see and acknowledge that this is the way. I can't acknowledge your Jesus yet because I have responsibilities to the tribal customs and it won't work to do both. Give me six months and I'll raise up somebody and retire from this position and then I'll be able to follow Jesus with my whole heart. And last month he did just that. He retired from his, from his traditional <laughs> position and understood. That's one of the hardest things that we ever preach in, in tribal countries is understood that both does not work. It's, it's not Jesus and, it's Jesus only. Right. And, and he has confessed Jesus and is walking um, with the Lord. And that is just such an amazing testimony from that, from that undisclosed country. And so do not believe the reports that say that the gospel is not, we are preaching door to door in Muslim nations.
Right. They do not believe the reports that there's a 1040 window or that there's an unreachable people. Uh, everybody is reachable when you are, you are willing to go and preach to them. And just very quickly, the testimony of my life this year, mainly because we deal so much with the oversight of our team, is that during 2020, we did not repatriate, meaning send back to their home nation, one person from the mission field. Um, and if you, but you invited them to. We invited them. We gave them the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, we did not force anybody to stay on assignment during COVID. Um, but if, you, if you're maybe not familiar, almost every, and I'm not criticizing any mission organization that did this, but almost every mission organization and NGO that works internationally repatriated their people during 2020. Um, our missionaries stayed the ground and didn't lo lose one day of ministry. Um, we had people who were, who were locked down in their homes for a hundred plus days. And when they came out, their Muslim neighbors said, we never thought people like you would stay with us. Please tell us what you believe in. And so that, to me, that's, that's my testimony for 2020 is that we didn't send one person home. We didn't get one person uh, stuck in a, in a facility, but that the, the word went out and 2020 was our best year. Just like Jake and Jesse, yeah, by, let's celebrate the Lord for that stuff. I mean, we just heard just staggering things. Uh, just like these are just a couple regular old kids from the hills of West Virginia, so is the rest of their team. It's just average families that decided, you know, like God is calling us into that mission field. But the Lord has also called us into a mission field. Yeah. Um, he stuck you right where he wants. You've heard me say it a thousand times. I'm going to keep saying it until we start saying it to each other. He stuck you right where he wanted you. He raised your mission support when he gave you a job. He gave you a mission field when he gave you an address. That's good. And the call to be a disciple-making missionary is not the extraordinary call of just a few people with a certain set of gifts because they're more gifted than you are. But it's the ordinary call of everybody that would say yes to Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit is the one that possesses the gifts and the power to do the extraordinary things and even make disciples of a Muslim nation when they're sitting there looking at their Christian neighbors next door saying why didn't you go home while you had the chance mm -hmm. I mean to see the commitment the resilience of a Christ follower in that moment it's gonna open up doors yep. for that for those people to see Jesus to hear Jesus and to be transformed by him uh, we actually I'm, I'm proud to say that one of our own team members here at GBC um, who is our preschool lead uh, when you drop your little ones off and you see the energy-filled blonde who's probably pink or purple today in the hair. Um, our preschool lead over there, Lauren, like God has had a call in her life for several years now to step out into the foreign mission field, and she's stepping into Overland Mission with Jake and Jesse. So she just came back a few months ago from uh, advanced missionary training, which is like Navy SEAL boot camp. <laughs> For missionaries, basically, just crazy, basically, is what it is. It's wild, and um, so my two questions for our church family is: How'd she do, mm -hmm. and where do you see God using her within the kingdom globally? Yeah, I remember calling Dustin and uh, saying, you know, hey, I'm sorry to tell you, but I think we're gonna keep Lauren. <laughs> She's a fantastic young lady with with an amazing faith and a grit. And that's what we look for a lot of times. You don't have to be an all-star. You just have to have some grit, some willingness to stick things out. And so we've actually assigned Lauren to one of our foremost pioneering locations in northwest province of Zambia. She'll be um, about four hours plus from any major grocery stores. And, um, and we have an incredible mission base there that's being totally developed. Totally off the grid. Totally off the grid. They'll no live, power, no, no internet. Yeah. 
no phone signal. Yeah, and, and she's the kind of person that, you know, her eyes got brighter the more we talked about it uh, rather than, you know, shrinking back. And that's, that's just the, the character I, that I see this church forms as well. And I really appreciate that, that this is going to be a church that moves not just in power but in character, and it's both and. And uh, I just really believe that God's doing a significant thing here, even in this Acts study. And I think there's some of you that are reading through this and recognizing, wow, there's, there's actually more for my life. There's, 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 a, there's another level. There's another standard. I don't even like the, the word level. There's a standard that Jesus has called me to, and it's a standard of character and power. And, uh, and it's true. It's available to us. And Lauren's one of those young people moving in that, and we're excited. Jake, as, a, man, as somebody who has a global impact for the sake of the gospel, I mean, what would you guys have to say to our people at GBC with the kingdom calling they have on their life? right here. They hear from me all the time. I'm like yeah. a broken record. Yeah. And by the way, I'm going to keep being a broken record. So if y'all don't <laughs> like it, this ain't going to be the place for you. We're going to be a kingdom missionary church that is committed to saturating the heartland with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, even as Jake was talking, I was thinking like, how do you communicate that you aren't anything special? How do, you, how do you say that there's still places where I'm intimidated when it comes to ministry, places where we don't feel like we know what to do, uh, we don't know what the next step is, we have to seek counsel. I'm so thankful for the counsel that we have surrounding us. Um, and I think truly the only thing I would say to you as ministers in your own right, the Bible calls us ministers of reconciliation. So you have that responsibility and that assignment, whether you want it or not. It was assigned to you with the new creation when you accepted Jesus, is that when we can be not afraid of pain and suffering, when we can be unafraid of inconvenience, mm. um, when we can be not not persuaded by the comforts of the flesh, but be persuaded and not ask ourselves the question, um, is it difficult, but rather, is it worth it? You know, when we can change that question, I think we become absolute weapons of mass destruction in the hands of God against the, the case of the enemy. Um, when we cannot be persuaded by, by the flesh. And I think the challenge in the Western church and the challenge for you is despite all the difficulties that you have all faced this year, is to not be lulled into the belief that more money or more time or more comfort would fix the desire of your heart, which because of the assignment that you've received by the new creation is to see souls brought into the kingdom. Never be satisfied any other way. And, and I would say, you know, the book of Acts is a book of action. That's what made the apostles great. And it's the same for us today, you know. And James said it best when he said, you know, I'm going to show you my faith by what I do. And, um, and, and I really believe that we look at men like Abraham and, and women like Mary, and what made them great was the call of God came and they obeyed. That was it. You know, Abraham, it says, he, he, he went not even knowing where he was going. You know, it's not even like he knew. I mean, I at least knew I was headed to Africa. You know, he went not knowing where he was going. And out of that act of obedience, he became the father of, of, of the nations. And I think sometimes that scariest part is the beginning where it's just, it's just it feels like a simple yes to God isn't going to amount to much. But that little ripple is going to shake things if God's in it. We always say, we have a saying that I learned from a 93-year-old evangelist in Zambia. And he used to say to me, missionary, come. He'd say, little is much when God is in it. 
And uh, I promise you, that's, that's, that's the story of your life in Christ. Uh, church family, this is um, a part in our discussion that I, I don't do because Jake and Jesse set me up for it. I don't do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, I don't even do it because I feel some sense of obligation. I do it because, like, I am committed to this. And what you're going to hear from me is a result of, like, not only being committed to these missionaries as well as our core group of missionaries, but I'm committed to what God is doing in and through them. And, and with all due respect, there are some amazing things happening through mission organizations around the world. And we are partnering with some of them. We only partner with the best of the best by what God brings us. But let, let me tell you something, like, there is... This, what we are seeing happen through the Overland Mission Team around the globe, if the scriptures had not been written yet, we would be reading through the book of Acts, hearing about the Overland Mission Team and the incredible things that God is doing through the gospel and reaching people in both ordinary and extraordinary ways. And so our job as the American church, listen to me, we're not just called um, to send our missions overseas, even though that's a part of it. The extraordinary wealth of America, it was meant to be used for the sake of furthering the gospel throughout the world. But as we partner with missionaries financially, we also are called and committed to being missionaries ourselves. So as it pertains to your involvement with them, yes, pray and pray diligently and put a picture of them uh, or their names on your refrigerator so you're praying for Jake and Jesse and the Overland team regularly. But like I encourage you to consider, those of you that feel called, this is not like me trying to strong arm you into doing something that God's not telling you to do. But there are many amongst you this morning that God has called you not just to be a missionary where you are, but to partner with missionaries globally. And many of you feel this morning that this is probably who you need to be partnering with financially, globally. And so I encourage you to make a substantial investment into them and in their ministry. Uh, what we are seeing is the Word of God come to life in our modern day because of ordinary folks from the hills of West Virginia that are just willing to say yes. And there are nations and there are tribes and there are leaders and there are presidents and there are sultans and there are emperors that are bowing their heart before King Jesus because somebody is willing to go where nobody else will go. And by the way, gas in Zambia is like over $9 a gallon. <laughs> How much did, y'all, your, did your team travel this year? It would be easily over 2 million miles. In a pandemic year, they traveled over 2 million miles to take the gospel where nobody else dared go. And that's why they're seeing God do things that nobody else is seeing because the Holy Spirit has got there before them and is waiting on them to arrive to do some big stuff. And by the way, like I mentioned before, they don't just show up, throw an event, and leave. They show up and they build a house and they build relationships and they raise up missionaries and they raise up leaders and they continue to invest in these people for generations until one day the bush as well as the Amazon jungle is so saturated with indigenous leaders and pastors and missionaries that by the grace of God, they send some to America so that we can hear the gospel and experience the gospel in the way that the Lord meant us to. So you consider, you prayerfully consider whether this is the family that you need to partner with financially. We as a church corporately, we, we support them through your normal tithes and offerings as well as some other missionaries that you'll get to meet throughout the year. Amen. But maybe God has placed a call in your life individually to support them on a regular, ongoing, monthly basis or maybe a one-time gift. But I hope that you will do so today if you're one of the ones that God's tapping on the shoulder this morning. That you do so as an act of saying yes to the Lord. Um, Pastor, let me say yeah. just quick. Um, I know in the last service I didn't say this, but if there are those of you that come to the back and you guys are like, hey, we're in, we want to be on this team with you guys, which is huge for us. 
when you grab one of those partnership forms, just put your name, number, and email down on the other little list so that we can get in touch with you. Because to us, that's huge. I mean, we've got, we've got under 100 people on that team with us, and we're believing for an army. And sometimes you think, you know, I, I mean, $10 a month doesn't amount to much. It does when an army's in it, you know, uh, or whatever the amount is. But I just want to thank you guys as a church for being our anchor in the mission movement over the last six years. This church has propelled us to be able to say yes to extravagant things for Jesus uh, because of radical giving. And we just, we're just believing God to continue to grow that while we're back in the States. Well, and, and short figure family, like we want to be a part of the grace, greatest gospel movements on planet Earth. Amen. And we, and we know that in partnering with you guys, we are. Amen. Would you show their family photo up there? I didn't get a chance to introduce their kids. And let's pray over them as a church family. That's little Noah leaning up against mama on the left. Um, that's Kaya that's draped over daddy in the middle. And this is Sunda leaning against daddy uh, on your right. And let's, would you just ex extend a hand towards them um, as we pray over them as a family? And Father, uh, I thank you for the great work of the gospel that you have done and are doing throughout the world. Uh, using, quite honestly, people that will never hear their names and will never darken the stage of an American church. Lord, I know you are doing remarkable things through people who live in extraordinary poverty, are battling significant disease in their life that are just going through the hardship of life but yet are willing to lay down everything for the sake of the gospel. Lord, would you be their supplier and their source as you have promised that you would. But for Jake and Jesse and their team, would you meet every need that they have? Would you continue to cultivate a flame in their heart and raise up leaders all around the world to saturate the globe with the gospel? May the words of the prophet Habakkuk come to life May the whole world come to know the knowledge of the glory of God, and may it saturate the earth as the waters cover the sea. Yes. I declare that over us and over the world we live in now, in the name of Jesus. In his precious name we pray, amen.